0: So the misstep there, Jerome, is he just didn't know. This was a tool that's out there. And he told me, I think, I think he told me he was reading one of uh, you know, the Rich Dad books, Tom Wheelwright's books or something, where he first even read, heard about this concept. And then he, he, you know, did a Google search or whatever found me. I don't know exactly how he found
1: me. As an operator, I know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing, and I'm looking to learn from other investors' mistakes. I know you are too, and you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Ooh. Hey everybody, and welcome to Myers Methods presents Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host Jerome, and I've got my good friend Yona Weiss with me today. Yona, how are things in your part of the world?
0: Oh, uh, you know, we're doing well. Just keeping keeping on lockdown, keeping happy, trying to keep busy, uh, keep the immune system up. I guess <laughs> you know that's that's the most important thing. Um, I got six kids at home, so it makes it uh, pretty pretty interesting and difficult, and that's not um, having six kids and trying to keep them happy and entertained during a quarantine is not um, mutually exclusive exclusive to keeping your immune system up, although some people might think it is, (laughs) but but it's, it's definitely been interesting.
1: Awesome. So if the listeners want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that?
0: You can find me on LinkedIn. That's the best place to find me.
1: Okay. And I'll link that up in the show notes, so all I got to do is click the button to get straight to your page. And so for most of the listeners, they may not actually know what we're going to talk about today from uh, on the Deal Deep Dive, and so we'll have to do a little bit of education. But do me a favor and talk a little bit about your background, and then we can go into the background on the deals. Absolutely.
0: So my background is actually in education and teaching. I was a teacher for about 15 years. Uh, Got into real estate about five years ago when I just needed some extra income and wanted to do something different a little bit and learning all different aspects of of the industry. So I went from being a commercial mortgage broker, learning commercial real estate, doing uh, some brokerage of some residential properties, just learning different, different things, trying to find investment properties, learning a lot about how to research um, properties, how to dig deep into finding the owners and stuff like that. And then I went into, you know, did a few fix and flips. That wasn't for me. And just looking for different opportunities came across this company, Madison, uh, one of the top commercial real estate servicing companies in the country. And just have so many amazing people, an opportunity came about that just kind of fit what I was looking for and um, you know dove deep into cost segregation which is their one of their expertise as you learned from the masters in the industry uh, who have been doing this for decades and just ch- keep teaching about this you know sharing the wealth of knowledge that so few people know about to benefit about uh, you know save taxes
1: awesome and so we've got two deals to talk about today the first one It's really exciting. So let's dive into that first deal.
0: Yeah. So what a lot of people don't know about cost segregation is that it doesn't benefit everyone equally, right? And not. And I think you know George Orwell said it best in Animal Farm when he said, right, not all animals, right, all animals are equal, but not all are. What do you say? But not animals are. What was the, was the phrase? All animals are created equal, um, but not all the same equality or something like that uh in short the point of the statement is is that all taxpayers are not equal right if you're a real estate professional you actually have the highest benefit probably of any certain type of taxpayer that's out there so when someone comes to me and they are real estate professional meaning they spend the majority of their time involved in managing, brokering, building, um, properties, they don't even know that they are like considered a God for whatever reason in the eyes of the IRS. And they barely have to pay any taxes if because they, they can use those losses created by depreciation, which we're going to talk about now to offset all of their income, all of their active income. And it's something a lot of people don't know about so this first deal was a guy who was the top real estate broker in his county, in California, okay? So we're talking about big-time money. This guy was making, you know, millions of dollars, okay? And he, had, he has a huge team, making millions of dollars, and he was investing it. He was investing in, in, in properties, and in deals, and he didn't know about cost segregation, which means he was still paying the IRS hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, I mean, close to half a million dollars a year in income tax. That's literally what he told me. And I was surprised. So we looked at one of his properties, he bought a recent acquisition in 2019, four and a half million dollar purchase price, uh, apartment building. I don't remember how many units it was, I think it was about 22 units in California. Makes sense, right? (laughs) Great, right? We're talking about like 200 plus thousand dollars a door. Okay, this was, And and literally, he was set up to be paying that year because of all of his, even though he had depreciation from his other rental properties, still it was not enough, you know, obviously to offset all the wages he was earning from his brokering, from his dealing. We found, okay, in this conservation study, over $1 million of accelerated depreciation. Okay, which means a four and a half million dollar building, which he only put down. You have to remember when you're buying a million, a four and a half million dollar building, you're not paying cash, right? You are using the bank's money, or sometimes you're using investors' money. Sometimes you're using the owner's money, seller financing, right? But you're putting down maybe a million dollars. Okay, which means out of pocket. He, we found a $1 million, over a million dollars of accelerated depreciation that you could use as a first year tax deduction with 100% bonus depreciation, which means the guy was making oh, well over a million dollars, okay? Take that $1 million tax deduction, offset that million dollars of income, and he went from paying the year before, he told me, over $350,000 of federal income tax. The year before to 2019, paying zero dollars in, in income tax. So the misstep there, Jerome, is he just didn't know. This was a tool that's out there, and he told me. I think I think he told me he was reading one of uh, you know the rich dad books, Tom Wheelwright's books or something, where he first even re- heard about this concept, and then he, he you know did a Google search or whatever, found me. I don't know exactly how he found me, but <laughs> but that's. Um, but that's the that's the misstep that turned into uh, a good step, I guess.
1: So I s- assume that your client is reaching out to you every time he buys a property now.
0: Sure, absolutely. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Once you know about it and you can benefit from it. And like I said, if you're a real estate professional, it's a no-brainer.
1: Did... He amend previous tax returns or he just started
0: in that year? He just started in that year. So one of the things that was outdone with the previous tax reform in 2018, 2017, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, is you can no longer use uh, passive loss carrybacks. So even if you created a huge loss this year, previously you were able to actually carry back those losses to offset previous year's income tax. Uh, You can no longer do that. They just reset part of it during this CARES Act that just happened uh, a couple weeks ago, Uh, but it's specifically for corporations, and I don't want to get into the details, but no, he did not amend previous tax returns. He left them as was, and going forward, he's going to know, you know, he learned from his mistakes.
1: What's up guys, it's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know, we launched Myers Methods in the fall of 2019 with the ambition to inspire a new breed of multifamily investor. If you are interested in getting into multifamily or scaling your current business, hop over to our website at MyersMethods.com to grab your free four step guide on how to get the ball rolling in multifamily. Now let's get back to the episode. Okay. And so is there any downside for executing like one of these cost studies and accelerating all the depreciation?
0: One of the downsides is if you don't need it, right? Um, And like I said, not all taxpayers are created equal because if you're not a real estate professional, you're limited to the amount of depreciation that you can actually use. The amount of those tax write-ups that you can actually use is limited to the income from property from your properties from your real estate so if you have a bunch of real estate you're making a lot of money from the real estate you can use depreciation tax write-offs to offset all that but it cannot be carried over to your other active income uh, which is where you know why would you create this huge amount of tax losses if you can't actually use them it's just creating a paper loss not going to benefit you this year that's usually the the main reason why people would not want to go ahead and do it
1: okay and then is there like a catch up or something on the backside that like people have to pay taxes they don't expect, or their profit is higher or something too? Or it's kind of the
0: profit's definitely going to be higher, their cash flow is definitely going to be higher because if you don't pay taxes, that all that cash in your pocket. Um, there is another downside potentially when you sell a property, um, you got to put that into your business plan. When you sell a property, you are hit with not only capital gains tax, if the property went up in value, you have to pay a tax on that spread. Uh, you also have to, on that gain, you also have to pay what's called depreciation recapture tax, which means you have to pay a tax on the amount of depreciation that you took. Okay. It's usually a 25% tax. We're, so that's on the, that's kind of on the, on the, on the other end of the spectrum. Right now you can take all these deductions. You can use that. Your cash flow, your time value money is huge now in five years from now or whatever, when you go out and sell that property or in a year from now, you're gonna to have to now pay a tax on the depreciation that you took. Um, there are ways around that, like a 1031 exchange is a great example, a way to defer that tax. You don't have to worry about the depreciation of your cash or tax, but um, generally speaking, the time value of money, of having your own money and not having to pay that to the government, if you're not ob- obligated to, is usually when the uh, where the benefits going to be.
1: Got it, got it. Okay, and so I think that covers that one. And so I think you got another good one for me too, right?
0: I got a great one for you, <laughs> which which is one that people don't recognize the power of because you know I mentioned to you before just the the analogy of you're building a building, you want to make sure the foundation is laid perfectly okay foundation is everything if you don't have a good foundation then the whole building will fall down so this particular client um, decided for whatever reason to use a different company okay a construction company there are others out there besides madison specs okay however this particular company was a was a relatively new company they didn't have the experience they didn't know so much what they were doing and this client decided it was going to be cheaper for whatever reason they were He decided to go with them. Um, About a month later so we got a call from this guy's this we got a call from this guy saying you know I already did the cost segregation, but my accountant says to do it again. (laughs) What do you mean do it again? So we called the accountant he said I don't know what this guy was thinking to go with this other company they don't know what they're doing not only did they not maximize the deductions uh, that you guys do but their study was basically worthless because it didn't have all of those necessary components that a quality conservation study needs to have according to the IRS audit guidelines. So he's like, he told the guys like, just call Madison. Like they're the experts. You're not going to, you're going to save a penny here. You're going to save maybe a few hundred dollars or whatever on the cost of the study. Cause these guys gave you a discount, but you're going to cost yourself hundreds of thousands of dollars in tax depreciation that you're losing and if you were ever to be audited this wouldn't stand up and you would potentially be paying fines and penalties on that so it's worth it you know so the misstep there which we can all learn the lesson from is that you have to do your due diligence when hiring a cost segregation firm or any type of service provider right you don't want to just call you know hire a guy that offering you a good discount or offering you a good price and you don't even know if he has the experience do what you're doing right imagine bringing in a plumber to your building right to fix a huge you know main right that that burst if the guy doesn't have the experience of the credentials you're going to be calling someone else in a in a week or two <laughs> to fix the problem that that guy did so it, it's just not worth it
1: i didn't prep you for this but <laughs> have any things off the top of your head that when you're evaluating somebody that does this type of work should ask
0: absolutely Uh, I mean the main things you need to ask when uh, when you're looking at a a conservation company is number one their experience okay so you want to see that they've been doing this not only for a number of years but they have enough experience you know how many studies have they actually done okay what what's their experience doing that The other thing you would look at is are they following all the guidelines? Okay, there is a cost segregation audit techniques guide published by the IRS. If you want to make sure that your study is being produced according to those guidelines, you want to make sure that everything is gonna be according to that. Um, the other the third thing I would say is that do they have audit protection? Meaning, are they gonna stand up behind their work in the event of an audit? Are they gonna say, sorry, we did it. hands are off. Are they going to say, of course, we're going to stand by our work. It stands up to an audit. And, you know, what is their experience? Have they had any times where clients have been audited and what's been their experience in doing that? And so those are really, you know, when anything you're dealing with taxes, you want to make sure that you have, you know, you're dealing with the best. Number one, number two, you're you're not cutting corners because it's just going to end up costing you money later on. Um, And number three, want to make sure that everything is according to the law okay it's you, you don't want to be you know kind of fudging things and um you know god forbid trying to do something wrong against the tax code because they may end up finding out and even if they don't it's it's not ethical in the first place so
1: so that i really like that and i'm curious about the audit so like when you have audit protection, like what actually happens? Like how does, because usually they just want to talk to the CPA or the tax preparer. Mm-hmm. How, how does a cost segregation firm kind of insert themselves into that audit
0: process? So in the event of an audit, they're going to look at your entire tax return and they're going to look at the cost segregation study because that's what produced those you know massive depreciation numbers. In doing so, if they have any questions on that, um, then they would go directly to, you know, they go to the CPA when the CPA just turns to us it's turn to the, the, the preparer of that and they have to stand behind their work. Otherwise it's worthless. Uh, so in those events that have happened in the 12, um, I think 12 or 13 times we've had clients over the past 15 years or so that have been audited. They literally just take the study and say, it's Okay. So there's been nothing in the process of having to do anything. There was one case where there was actually a, a questionable uh, thing that had to do with renovations and had to do with the property that was uh, demolished and was put back in service. services. There certain tax codes that there were, were some disputes in the tax law, uh, you know, different court cases that had different outcomes that needed to be actually, we actually need to prove to them our stance on that. And, you know, that was obviously according, aligned with the CPA. But generally speaking, there's never even a question.
1: Got it. Got it. And so the final question for this episode is what words of wisdom do you have for the listeners?
0: The words of wisdom, I would say, that come to mind now is always ask questions. Okay. And there's a great saying that we have an old ancient Jewish saying that says, if you make for yourself uh, a teacher, meaning you, you have a teacher for yourself, someone that knows a lot more than you, and that you go to for advice, then you will absolve yourself of any doubt. Meaning, if you have doubts, the way to you know, resolve those doubts is to ask questions. And if you have someone that is much wiser than you can ask those questions to, your doubts will, uh, will just dissipate. And so that's the advice I have. Find a mentor. Okay, find someone who is, you know, older, wiser than you, more experienced than you. They don't necessarily have to be older. Um, and ask them questions.
1: Yana, it's always a pleasure to get to exchange with you, man. Uh, looking forward to continuing to deepen our relationship and learn more about you and see if we can continue to add value to each other's lives man thank you so much for sharing with the listeners and we'll get we'll talk soon i appreciate
0: it thank you
1: you made it to this juncture so you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers methods presents multifamily missteps do us a favor give us a five-star rating give us a review and share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing until the next time the pack is with you.